Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 11, titled, Pray Boldly, Part 4. Ready for what's on serve today? Luke 11. And boy, have we been in Luke 11 for a while looking at the topic of prayer. And uh, such an incredible topic. We're going to be in verses 5 down through uh, 13 before we're done here this morning. Dr. Helen uh, Rosevere was a medical missionary to the Congo in the 1800s. She basically went on her own. Uh, she was a trained medical doctor and went down because she knew the needs and the situation in Africa, especially the area of the Congo, just extremely remote, very much uh, backwards in every possible way you could think of in that cult. Still is to a certain degree, but not near as bad as it would have been in the middle 1800s. Well, she had a couple of churches that were willing to sponsor her, send her, and these churches prayed for her and sent her as much as you, I mean, what's the good of sending her money? There was nowhere to spend it. Uh, they would send her goods. Uh, she would respond in prayer requests. Of course, mail and post and everything took months, middle of the 1800s. So they had a particular situation. She tells about a, a lesson that she, a very deep lesson she learned about prayer and uh, medical missions. So they had people that were sick all the time, people that died all the time. And there was a woman who came in and gave birth to a child prematurely and died in childbirth. And uh, the baby survived, but the baby was, was very early. And, uh, of course, she knew where, if she had, wherever she was from, they would have an incubator for the child. Of course, the middle of Congo, there's no such thing as an incubator. So the best thing she could come up with in her mind was, was there any such thing as a water bottle? She says, you've just soon uh, come up with an incubator as you could a water bottle in the middle of the Congo. But anyway, she shared it with the, with the mission team, and she shared it with the mission station. And one little girl asked if she could pray. So the lady that passed away had a 2-year-old, a 3-year-old daughter, and then, of course, this infant, infant daughter. And the little girl stood up and she prayed. She said, God, this is, I'll read her prayer. She said, Dear God, please send a water bottle today, she said. Tomorrow will be too late. And dear Lord, please send a doll for her sister so she won't feel so lonely from losing her mom. Of course, she said, in my heart, you know, I was, it was beautiful to hear this little girl pray, but in my heart, part of me said, she might as well have asked for a rocket ship because a water bottle and a doll in the middle of Congo in the middle 1800s, I mean, just as good a chance of getting a rocket ship to land there. So, so she said, but we got a parcel in that evening from one of my sending churches, and it was post-dated, it was posted five months prior because that's how long stuff, you know. If it got there at all, you got there in five months, you know, kind of thing. Guess what was in that box? Yeah. Under some clothes, first of all, was a water bottle. The little girl that prayed the prayer found that water bottle. And she said, I know that Jesus has given us a doll also. And guess what was in there? She said, I learned such a lesson in prayer. God knows. God knows. God knows before we ask him. He cares deeper than we care. He knows the situation. We're not bringing information to heaven. Prayer is information coming to us, Right? Not us telling God, well, you know, you need to put this on your agenda. No, God knows. He knows what our needs are. And Jesus has come to tell us about the Father. And no better place does He tell us about the Father than when He tells us about how to communicate with Him through prayer. So we've been looking at this topic of prayer all the way through the Lord's Prayer for months, and then now looking at this whole attitude about prayer and the attitude of receiving the requests of prayer. And so Jesus tells this funny little story. It makes such an incredible impression if we'll simply understand what it what it really means verse 5 chapter 11 suppose one of you shall have a friend 
and shall go to him at midnight. Better be a good reason, right? If you've been with us, you know this isn't a good reason. Friend, give me three loaves. Like I said, their loaves were basically thick tortillas. So give me three tortillas at midnight. I've been in bed for five hours. That is not a good reason. This is a crazy story. This nut, this, if it had been a real story, I'm sure the guy, when he woke up in the middle of the night and the guy banging on the door said, that guy is a nut. Can't believe we have, we need to move somewhere else. That guy, he'll come up in the midnight and ask for three tortillas. Sure enough, that's what he's doing. Friend, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. I think he's going to make it till the morning without three tortillas. This is a crazy request. Who's, who's telling the story? Jesus is. He's telling you the caliber of requests that you can bring to God. It can be nuts. It can be crazy. It, as, much, as crazy as three tortillas at midnight is crazy. If it's on your heart and it bothers you, it bothers him. It matters to you. It matters to him. He's not, he's, this is not, he's not saying you've got to be a genius, okay? You've got to be a theologian. Whatever's on your heart, bring it to him. He's your father. He's not sitting up in heaven saying, you know, until you bring a decent request that fits all the theological guidelines, I'm not talking to you. No! How many of us have, I mean, I, mean, I, I have intelligent kids, but they were, they were less intelligent, let's just say, when they were young. <laughs> they would ask dumb stuff. But you know what, I'm a father, we're parents, well, what are you expecting the kid to have a PhD? He doesn't know. She doesn't know. They're, they're your kids. Kids bring up kid stuff. If they brought up some PhD level stuff, you would think what happened to them. But no, they're going to bring ridiculous kid stuff because why? That's what they are. They're kids. God knows what you are. Bring it to him. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Stupid stuff, crazy stuff. Do not bother me. The friend, here's the story. The friend won't be bothered. Don't bother me. The door's already been shut. My children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. He cannot, but he does. Because why? Because of that word persistence in the next verse. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is friend, yet because of persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So a friend who won't even get up and help you, even though he says he's your friend, even though, like we all say, anytime I can do anything for you, what does that mean? Between eight and five, Right? While the Cowboys aren't playing, or whoever your favorite team is, that's fine. But when I'm in bed, and it ain't nothing other than three tortillas, yeah, leave me alone. I mean, how much this guy is a nut? Like I said, he probably, if this was a real story of a real person, the guy's saying, listen, we're moving. This guy's a nut. That, notice Jesus says, but because of persistence, not because of his, he's his friend. And so, notice Jesus is going to flip the story now immediately and say, I say to you. So he's not, now, get, get your head out of the story and get back to what I'm teaching you about prayer. I say to you, the Son of God, the incarnate Son of God, I say to you, ask how, like this guy, like a nut, with a ridiculous request that only means something to you. Ask, Jesus says, it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock, how, like this guy. He doesn't quit. He doesn't wait till he's got it figured out, until it makes sense to anybody other than him. He brings it, because God loves it when you do that. This is Jesus telling, this is not some preacher. This is Jesus telling you this story. Ask and be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, 
it shall be open to you. So somehow we've gotten this idea that God is some kind of, I don't know, stingy old miser in heaven who doesn't want to give us anything. Not at all. So you know, no better does Jesus explain the heart of the Father than when he tells us how to communicate with him in his response to us. What is his response to you? Come! Bring your nutty stuff. Your childish issues. At a bad hour. At a terrible time. You waited too late. You got up too early. Whatever it is. Makes no difference. Bring it to me. I love to hear it. And yet we, we God is not at all stingy. He's not all miserly. Yet we credit people with being generous. And they are. I, I was raised very generous. And, and hopefully am a very generous person. But Jesus is going to qualify all that. If you've been around generous people and say, oh, that person is so benevolent, so generous. He's going to qualify that by what he says here about us. Notice verse 11 uh, through 13. He says, now suppose one of you fathers asks for his son. So this is not a, father, not a friend anymore. Now it's a relative. So you ask it a relative, even your father. You ask him for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead, will he? Of course not. No decent father would do something like that. And if you ask for an egg, you will not give him a scorpion, will you? Of course not. The reason from the lesser to the greater, this is a standard uh, Jewish argument of making a point. Now he's going to reason from the lesser, us, to the greater God. And if you, here's a big statement to swallow, being evil, swallow hard. I know what your mama told you. If it disagrees with Jesus, sorry, mom. You're evil by nature. Remember, this, this is the same word we talked about it to the kids last time up in the, up in the convention center. The same word that Jesus uses when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from what? The evil one. Do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's the same word. So he eventually says, you being the evil one, does that bother you? Get over it. Get over it. I know your mama told you you were great. Jesus says you're evil. I'm going with Jesus on it. So am I, so are you. There is something deep in us that has a, is a sin nature. Do not underestimate it. You do, it will wreck your life. You think you're great and you can't do anything wrong, I'm telling you, you're your worst enemy. Satan doesn't even have to come near you because you'll mess your own life up. You being evil, take it for what it is, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he makes this how much more argument, and he takes us all the way, qualifies our friends, our family, the best we've had. I was raised in a great family, loving, godly Christian in church every Sunday. We're not, as much as possible, not hypocrites. Yet, nonetheless, the best that a person like me could have, he still qualifies it, saying, listen, at the heart of every one of those people is an evil nature just is. The heart of your pastor is an evil nature. Sorry. I mean, if there was some kind of thing, you know, they would just cut it out of us and we would never be, never tempted again, never a tendency toward evil. I'm sorry if that's what you think about guys like me. Now you're in for a world of hurt because they're going to eventually, they're going to disappoint you really bad. Just well. Not anymore you should disappoint yourself because you're going to find the same evil nature inside of yourself. You being evil, right? How much more we are heavenly Father. So the best we have in this world is from a heart, ultimately at the very bottom of the core of it, that isn't good. And yet we're still treated pretty well in those circumstances. How much more will the Father, who has no evil in him whatsoever, 
do good to you. It's this argument from the lesser to the greater. You being evil know how to do good. You who only love imperfectly. That's the best you can do. It's the best I can do. My heart of hearts, we can only do it imperfectly. Isn't that sad? It's reality, though. It's better, better to know it now than to overestimate what we're capable of because we're not capable of perfect love. We're just not. But isn't it true that occasionally we get glances and glimmers of good things in our lives? But where did that come from? Well, it didn't come from inside of you. It came from God. Quit taking credit for God's stuff. Oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're dangerous if you think you're good. Well, if any, on the other hand, but if, if there's anything good in me, it's come because of God's grace in my life. Now, that's not a dangerous person. You can trust that person. Because he knows what she's capable of and not capable of. And God can do great things through that person. But a person who takes credit for God's stuff, oh my goodness. How are you going to help them? If, if you only love imperfectly and yet you're able to give good gifts to your kids, how much more is God able to do that? See, we, we, we so overestimate our generosity and so underestimate God's. You who only can love imperfectly, you can only uh, have limited wisdom and yet give what we think is best to our kids. How much more can God do that for us? How much more? Remember we saw this verse uh, last time, and we're going to use it as an operative verse this morning, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. I don't, I don't know about you, but I kind of, I've always taken that verse kind of as a challenge. It's kind of like, well, I bet I can come up with something. <laughs> Far more than I can ask or think? Well, let me give a time to think and ask about this for a little while. Come up with some, I don't know, the universe maybe. I'll ask for the universe. He's going to give you that. You're already playing that. He's able to do far more than abundantly than beyond what you can ask or you can't think of it. Therefore, you can't ask for it. Hear me on this. Whatever you're asking God for is always will always be something less than he's willing to give you. I'll say it again. Whatever it is you're asking God for will always be something less than he's willing to give you. That's the generosity of God. That's who God really is. Whatever your capacity, whatever you can come up with, God is willing to give you more. Willing to. We saw this last time we were together we were in the convention center with these kids. I mean, so, so, so Jesus goes on here and says, You being evil know how to give good gifts. How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. I was just asking for three tortillas. You know. I mean, I have the Holy Spirit if I'm headed to church or, you know, the way we think. I'm headed to Bible study, yeah, I need the Holy Spirit. I'm headed to prayer. But right now I need three tortillas. God knows you need three tortillas. He's taking care of you. But he's going to do more than that. You understand? More than you can ask or think. He's going to do more. In fact, way, way more. He's going to do that by giving the Holy Spirit. We saw this last time, and I'm going to go through these really quick. So you ask for comfort, right? Isn't that one of our main prayers? Praying for comfort for me, comfort for you. Going through hard times. We've been through a lot of hard times. A lot of us have. Still going through them. We ask for comfort. He doesn't give us comfort. He gives us the comforter. See the difference? Will he not give you the Holy Spirit? So you didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. You asked for a short-term fix. I want comfort today. 
okay, but I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to give you the source of all comfort, which is the Spirit of God. See, he, immeasurably more than you can ask or think. You ask for help, right? He gives you the helper, not just help. So there's a difference between giving a man a fish and teaching him how to fish. I don't give him the resource, I give him the source. You see the difference in the wisdom of God? You ask for the truth, he gives you the teacher of truth. You ask for wisdom, he gives you the spirit of wisdom. You'll be amazed what happens through surrendered Christians. Walking in the spirit of God, the stuff that they can do and come up with, no credit to them. Because it's, the it's what God can do, not what they can do. No credit to them. Credit to their surrender, but nothing else. You ask for the guidance, right? We ask for guidance. God, please show me which way to go. And God is about that, by the way, 100%. But he won't just give you guidance. He'll give you the guide. The whole guide. Hey, most of the young people here have no idea what a map is. <laughs> but any of us older than 50 know what a map is. We used to live by maps. You keep a map for Texas and then Colorado and Wyoming, wherever you're traveling in the car. And you've got to be able to read these maps Nice to have. And now we have the phone, we have an iPad, we have a computer that tells us, you know, where you are, where the traffic is, how to route around it, you know, all that really cool stuff. So imagine a, a, a GPS for the spirit world. That's what God's giving you. He hasn't just told you how to get there. He, he sends the GPS himself in the person of his spirit. He gives you the guy. You ask for the fruit of the spirit, he gives you the one that produces the spirit. You ask for the gift, he gives you the giver. You ask for the effect, he gives you the cause. It's not, he's not just answering your prayer. He's going past it. He's going over the top of it. The generosity of God, it cannot be measured. Again, you, had, you didn't know to ask. You were just asking for <laughs> three tortillas. He gives you the whole bread factory. You ask for the effect, he gives you the cause. You ask for the product, he gives you the source. You know, back, back to the issue of prayer and the Holy Spirit is key in our prayer life. I have people ask me all the time to pray for them because, well, obviously, I'm their friend, I'm their pastor, uh, I care about them, I've been a Christian a long time, I mean, I understand why somebody would bring me a prayer request. And I try to remember those prayer requests, by the way, and the best way for me to remember those prayer requests is to pray with you right there. So if I don't pray with you right there, you need to stop me and say, Pastor, why don't you pray with me right here? Because Pastor probably won't remember with all the good intentions of his heart. So, so it's good for me. To, to pray right there, and I love to pray for people, and it's, it's, it, but there's a part of me that thinks, I wonder why they're asking me to pray for them. Is it not because they think possibly that my prayers are more effective than theirs? That is not true. What, what child of yours is more accepted in your presence than another child? So I got a child with a PhD and a child that's two years old. Which one's better in my presence? Neither one and both at the same time. The thing that qualifies them is that they're my kids, not their education, not their ability to speak. So it, not, not a single thing causes the father to listen to any one of his children any more, suits them any more than any other. But nonetheless, like I said, I'm happy to pray and bring your prayer request to me, and I love, love to be able to do that. But I want you to notice something very carefully here. It does not say, how much more will the Father in heaven give you Pastor Bill to those who ask him? It doesn't say that because you don't need Pastor Bill. You don't need me. But here's what you need. You ask for what? A prayer request. He gives you this. You want a prayer partner? You've got a prayer partner. Watch. 
The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, which is everything that we are. For we do not know what we should, what we should pray for, and we don't know how we how we ought to pray all that we ought. Is that that's every day for you, for me? I don't know how to pray for this stuff. How am I supposed to know what the correct thing to ask is? I always end the prayer with well, "Let your will be done," because I. How am I supposed to know? It's okay. He knows that. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's got no words. For now, we, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So this whole prayer thing, you can't mess up because why? You've got a prayer partner. It's not Pastor Bill. It's a Spirit who knows everything. He knows just how to pray for you. Just how to lead you in the right direction. Just how to form your three tortilla requests into what you really need. Isn't that good? Isn't that comforting to know? So we look back over our lives. I've been a Christian now since I was seven, eight years old. And, and I, things have come together for me many times and will continue. I'm confident of it. And I look back and the older I get, the more I realize I had nothing to do with that stuff. My intent was to do something else. Usually not bad, just something different. I was going this way and I, boom, I Something changed, so I went this way, and that turned out to be great. People call it coincidence. It's not. It's this. Interceding for the dummies, like me, like you, because we don't know what to say. You've got, a, you've got a, a prayer partner, but you didn't even know enough to ask for a prayer partner, but he sent it to you anyway because he always does abundantly above and beyond, does he not? Abundantly. He does. Way above. What you're able to ask for abundantly beyond what you're able to ask or able to think. Now notice this, this, this verse over here, John 7, verse 3 through 8. It says, He who believes in me, Jesus speaking, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's a huge statement. So we come to God in our request. So we ask for three tortillas and we ask for a drink. What does he give you? That's not a drink. How many rivers do you think you're going to need? See the generosity of God? But it, this, he spoke concerning the Spirit. There you go. Why? Because that's what he gives you ultimately. Because he knows that's what you need. He doesn't give you the drink. He gives you the source of the waters. The whole source is you, in you. Because why? That's not what you asked for because you didn't know to ask. See, you, you didn't come up with it, therefore you can't ask it. He's always going to do above and beyond what you could possibly ask or think because that's the standard of giving of God. That's the way he works. God has already given us exceedingly above all that we ask for or think. Notice John, uh, John, John 16. Come on. Come on. There we go. Jesus speaking, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Did you know, as an unsaved person, that you needed to be convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment so that you would cry out to a Savior? Did you know that? You wake up one morning as a sinner, as a lost person, and say, I need to be convicted of sin. No, of course you didn't pray that prayer. 
You were headed down that road of sin, happy to go that direction, and something stopped you. What was that? There you go. You didn't ask for it, because you didn't know to ask. You didn't know. But God's done a ton of stuff for us, because we, we can't come up with it, and therefore we can't ask for it. First, John, uh, First Corinthians. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Critical. That's critical. So I can't call him Lord. That means, well, I can't be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not until then. So I didn't even know that I had to have the Holy Spirit to get that done, but I'm so glad he did it for me. I didn't ask for it because I didn't know. Because he's always going to be doing stuff way above and beyond what you ask or can think of because you're just not going to know. He knows that about you and me. 1 Corinthians 2. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. That's sad. So God is speaking and revealing himself to a world that can't hear him because they don't have the Spirit of God. That's a problem. Considers them foolishness, in fact, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So what does he give you? He gives you the Spirit because he knows that's your problem. You didn't ask for it because you didn't know. How could you have known? See, there's, we, we come to God with these requests as if we're informing heaven, and heaven is just like, you know what, I know what's going on in your life. How many parents here have known? I mean, you know what your kids need, for the most part. Especially the younger they are, you understand them, you understand their needs. They've got to eat, they've got to sleep, they've got a, tons of things that they're not going to ask for. They're going to ask for donuts and stay up all night and watch movies. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope, nope, because why? Because I'm your dad, and that's not what's best for you. So I, you're asking me for donuts and movies all night, but I'm giving you as an 8 o'clock curfew, and you're going to eat your beans and rice, you know, and, or peas or whatever, clear your plate, and you're going to go to bed, and you're not watching television. Why? Because I've not given you what you ask. I'm giving you what's best for you. It actually is the fulfillment of your request because you think it's what's best. Your, your request is about what's best. Best for me to stay up all night and watch movies, eat donuts. No, it's not. No, it's not. He knows how to give us what we need. Again, what do we need? We need the Spirit of God. First, 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So where the Spirit of the Lord is not, guess what? Well, there ain't. But you didn't know to ask for that, because you didn't know that you were in bondage. See, we don't know if you're, if you're deceived, you therefore don't know you're deceived, right? Because if I'm deceived and I know I'm deceived, I'm no longer deceived, right? So if I'm in bondage, but I don't know I'm in bondage, I don't ask to get out of bondage. Because he's going to do stuff for me that I can't ask for or even dream of because that's who he is. That's how generous God is. He doesn't sit around and wait until they ask for the right thing. they got to ask for the right thing. I'm not doing it. That's the way you are. That's the way I am sometimes. That's not the way God is. He's not a sinner like us. He's not. Notice Ephesians. In him, you, speaking of Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, that's what happens. You hear the truth, and the Spirit of God enables you to understand it, and then you respond. God working in your life today, I'm telling you, if that's burning your heart, that's not me. That's the Spirit of God. I know who it is. He worked on me just like he's working on you. Listen to him. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also having believed you were sealed... 
with the Holy Spirit of promise. Did you ask for that? But apparently you needed it. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of redemption? Did you know that you needed a guarantee to go to heaven? No, you didn't know that. Because you didn't know it, you didn't ask for it, but God gave it anyway. Why? Because he gives above and beyond what you can ask or possibly think. It's the way God rolls. It's what he does. Did you know that you needed to be sealed or baptized in the Spirit? Did you know that you can be dwelt or gifted by, by him or empowered by him or constantly prayed for by him? You didn't know those things. Why? I don't know. What else, though, possibly do we not know? I would suggest to you a bunch of stuff. That's why we have the constant intercession of the Spirit according to the will of God. Praying for Bill, praying for you, praying for us, because we really need it. So all this stuff we didn't know about our salvation and our need of God, and yet God provided it beforehand forever. And now, what else is he doing for us? A bunch of stuff. God gives us more in giving us the Holy Spirit than we could possibly understand. This whole entire package is over the top. You ask, and he doesn't just give you the Spirit, the, what the Spirit can bring. He gives you the Spirit himself. So beautiful. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we think about these things. God, I thank you for your extreme generosity to us. We wouldn't be here today if you were not generous. Forgive us, God, for us shaping you into our image, somehow thinking that you're stingy, that you're miserly, that you're unwilling. In fact, you're so willing it's impossible for us, no matter what we're asking for, it's impossible for us something more than what you're willing to give. Thank you, God. Help us to learn this lesson we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.